Hello and welcome. We're continuing on with Malachi. We're looking at the next section here. And remember, the big picture of Malachi is that God is confronting his people about a lack of honor that they're displaying towards him. And he's calling them out of it with some exhortations and some sharp corrections because he loves them and he wants them to have a real relationship with the real God the way he really is. This is part of God's fatherly care for people. He's not satisfied with us living half lies about him and untruths about him. He wants us to really, really, really know him and live like we're knowing him. And so in this situation here, the people of God, and particularly the priests and the Levites, are, are believing things about God that are not true and reflecting that in their attitudes and behaviors. And God is confronting them and say, saying, you dwell serving the great king and the best father. Give me the honor I am due and you will become the people you are called and meant to be. And so the next thing that God is going to talk to them about is their tithes and offerings. He's dealt with many things. He's dealt with um, teaching and their attitude towards the word. He's dealt with marriage and their attitudes towards faith-filled marriages. He's dealt with their attitudes towards evil and God's rule over injustices over the world. And now, of course, he has to get to the issue of money. Uh, There's a saying in Canada where we say, put your money where your mouth is. And that's good. It's usually a challenge. But the truth is, is that our money is always where our mouth is. Our money is always reflecting who we are. Our money is always demonstrating our values and our commitments and our faith and our spiritual devotion. It does that. It's just one of those things. It's like your words words um, show how you're doing. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He could have just as easily said, out of the overflow of the overflow of the heart, the wallet spends just as easily. It's just one of those things that shows how we're doing. And so here, Malachi, the prophet of God, is going to confront the people of God about their money. He says this. This is Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may... be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that I will not destroy the fruit of your soil. But your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts, then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve the Lord. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and escape. So in this portion, we can hear an echo of last time as well, where people were speaking in a bitter way, thinking that God's not real 
Or if he is real, he doesn't show his justice in the world. Uh, people are arrogant and they escape. What's the point of serving God? And it is demonstrating itself in particular with how they worship God with their money. Like I said before, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the wallet spends or that the wallet gives. And what God is confronting them about is that they, in their worship, would come and they maybe give a portion of a tithe. They would maybe... Um, just do a little bit. They'd have a show gift. They'd have a show tithe, but they weren't being particular in faith about bringing in their full 10%. And other people were suffering because of it. As the Lord had set up worship in the Old Testament times after the days of Solomon, the Levites and the priests lived off the offerings in the temple. And so when people would come and only give a portion of the 10% that God had blessed them with in order to give to his people. You know, it's all God's. The reason they have a tithe to bring is that God gave them um, crops and animals and money in the first place. So a reason they have something to bring is because God gave it to them and he had uh, set up Israel so that the Levites and the priests would be taken care of out of that tithe and the people weren't bringing the whole thing. And so God is confronting them about it. And he actually says to them, you're under a curse. Okay. And so in the Old Testament times, when you were under a curse, it means that God was opposed to your flourishing. Okay. He, if he gave a blessing, it means he gave there the, to be the power for increased life and overcoming evil. Okay. So when he blessed humanity at the beginning in Genesis, he says, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. That's his blessing. Um, more life and more conquering. More life and more overcoming. That's his blessing. And so when there's a curse, he takes those away. You won't flourish. You won't thrive. You won't flourish. You won't thrive. That's what the curse is about. He's taken away the power for more life. He's taken away the power for victory because they aren't giving to him. And so what's going on is whenever the human heart chooses to not give according to its faith or according to calling in the Old Testament times, there was this specific tithe. There are multiple ones that they were called to do. In the New Testament, it's a bit more flexible, but there's still a humongous call towards generosity and God providing in the midst of our generosity. He says to them, because you're not believing me, believing in me, honoring me enough to give to me what's mine, you're actually robbing me. Okay, so he says, can a man rob God? And you'd think, no way, God's up in heaven. All his stuff is in heaven. His throne's in heaven. He's all powerful. How could anybody rob God when he's all powerful? The all powerful God of heaven and earth who dwells far above men in inapproachable light. He says, well, if you don't give me the tithes and offerings, you actually robbed me. This is about me. This is about your honoring me. This is about your love for me. This is about your trust for me. And if you don't have trust, you don't have honor. And if you don't have honor, you don't have love. They rise and fall together. So you are robbing me and you're doing this in the name of worship. Okay. You don't bring in the tithe. You come for to worship me and you say, God, I worship you and here's my partial tithe. And instead of worship, God's saying, I feel like I've just gotten hit over the head with a stick and then my wallet is missing. I've been robbed. I feel like I've come home with my kids after taking them out for dinner and the front door's kicked in and the TV and the computer are gone. That's what your worship feels like to me. Ah, that's really bad. Now, God is wonderful, and he turns around, and in the midst of this confrontation, he gives them one of the most powerful promises for provision in the scriptures. He says to them, you can test me in this. 
You can test. You bring in the full tithe and I will bless you. And I will bless you so much that the nations around you will think, wow, that looks like Disneyland. They, that, all of Israel looks like the upper east side. That looks like where the rich people live. They're feasting. They're eating. They're suffering no lack. They've got it. They are a blessed people. That's God saying to them, you can test me in this. And what that means, you can test me in this, is if you do it, you will see with your own eyes, you will experience my blessing coming back to you. That's the promise. It's not, this will happen to the next generation. It's not, this will happen 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Before you die, you'll see this. You will be able to sit back and watch me do this with a short enough time frame that you'll be able to draw a straight line between your tithing and this blessing. That's a really, really profound promise. And God is saying, you can test me in this. I'm not here to rob you. I'm here to bless you. That's the, the thing about the tithe. And, and Christians, we need to hear this because we can very easily start thinking that the tithe is legalism and we want to buck against it and kick against it and make up our own way to go. But we have this wonderful faith thing from the Old Testament that we can do in faith very easily where God is saying, you don't give the way I've called you to, and you're robbing me. When I call you to tithe, I am not trying to rob you. I'm trying to bless you. I'm trying to give you more than you have. I'm trying to make you stunned at my blessing to you. Now, like I said, we're not under the Old Testament in the same way that the saints were in Malachi's day. We relate to God through Jesus Christ and not the law of Moses, and that's good. It doesn't mean we eject everything from the Old Testament, and that's too big of a topic to deal with in one of these short midweeks. But let me at least point towards the same attitude in the New Testament as we see in Malachi. If you give generously, God will be generous with you, and you will be amazed at what he does. This is 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writing. I'm just going to go over here in my Bible to this. He is encouraging a church who promised to give generously to the Jerusalem church. He's encouraging the Corinthians and he says to them, this is the point. This is chapter 9 verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So you don't, you don't bring in the whole tithe, you're under a curse. You, you just plant a few seeds and you get a small crop. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We're supposed to look at farming and say God invented farming. Where the more seed you put into the ground, the more crop you get out of the ground. That's God's idea. Each one must give as he's made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So here's the promise. Through the Apostle Paul, writing by the power of the Spirit, creating scripture, he says, the principle is this, the more you give, the more God will make your fruitfulness abound. The more you give, the more you'll get, just like in farming. He doesn't want us to get greedy and think, I'm going to give so that I can get. He wants us to live this life of joyful giving. I'm going to give so that I can get more, so that I can give more, so that I can get more, so that I can give more. And the emphasis is on the giving, not the getting. But he is saying that as you give cheerfully, God will love it. And he will respond by giving you everything you need in every situation to do everything he's called you to with all grace and all sufficiency, which is an amazing, amazing promise. And you could almost add on to this scripture, 
the lines from Malachi where God says, you can test me in this. Believe me. Give generously. And see how I give generously back to you. This is a wonderful, grace-filled promise from the great God of the universe. If he wanted to just say, give me everything you have, he has every right to do it because everything belongs to him. But instead, he says, be generous with a portion of what I've given you, and I will be generous to you because I love a cheerful giver. That is an amazing God and a wonderful, faith-filled, joy-filled life as we walk it out. In Jesus' name, and amen.